Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rijnstam, and I am not joined by Don Pizzette. Uh, what have you done with him, Peter? Don, uh, you know, it's kind of last week of summer, maybe, so maybe <laughs> he's on a beach somewhere, yeah. or he's filming something else that he feels is more important that could be the case as well. But don't worry, we are joined by understudy extraordinaire, Ronnie Wong. Ronnie, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I actually got a day notice before, so oh. I'm, I'm kind of prepared. You actually had time to read the article. Did you yeah, need more? I mean, yeah, I won't sometimes. I don't prepare for this show at all. Well, yeah, that's my you secret. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no one can tell, trust me. Yeah. And, and it shows, guys. Yeah. You act is, like I was hiding it. Oh, man. That is Daniel Lowry there. Like Daniel, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to give Ronnie, like, you know, life advice over here. I know you can't see Daniel in the dark over there. We had to turn Listen, the lights down for his sense. It's that, like the hacker thing. Actually, you didn't turn the lights down for me. You turned them down for Ronnie. And, and for somehow, like... <laughs> The light that I have is connected to Ronnie's well, light. Because so Don is pale enough that he creates his own light like I did. Right. He yeah. just glows yeah. a soft hue. I'm the same way. All right. Well, our guest today uh, is Chris Beavers, who was smart enough to wear a hat to protect himself from <laughs> yes. the lights uh, that are so bright in our, this studio that they are probably projecting to wherever projecting you are. Projecting over here. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. co-founder and CEO of NS1. Chris, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. No it's problem. already fun. Are where, you a blast? What where, do you mean by that? Where are you located? Chris? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm all the way on the East Coast in uh, New Jersey is where I'm at. In New so, Jersey. That is uh, right. It's the Paris of the West. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that before. But uh, let's. Well, you, you actually lived, you lived over in Asia for a while, right? I did. I lived in Singapore. My wife is Singaporean, actually. So I, uh, I uh, occasionally get you know, yummy, uh, they call it Paranakan food over there, like uh, Miko Rang. I love the, love Singaporean food. That's, and in return, I, I you, really miss you, it. you've introduced her to New Jerseyan food. Yeah. Mmm. Yeah. Mm, so meatball sub or. This is called the Doughboy. All right. Well, let's find out about uh, some more relevant stuff in our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who right, do you here we go. For? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Chris, we're going to ask you about five rapid fire questions. You've got a minute to answer uh, each of them. If you go over, uh, I will threaten to buzz you. <laughs> but won't. But probably won't. <laughs> Daniel actually buzzed people last week. And oh, man. We're still dealing with. Give me my with, buzzer back. The threat is real. Yeah, we're still dealing with the legal consequences of just, that. Just know, Chris, I'm thinking it in my head. Yeah, you can do it like just with your mouth. The buzzer is happening. I was staring directly at the screen. You That's know right. that he means to buzz you. Don't worry, course, the, your time longer, hasn't started yet. Don't the worry. The longer you go past my mental buzzer, the more infuriated I become. You good? You good? You set? All right. Let's go ahead. I'll jump in with the first question. So we're asking everybody this month, how did you get started on your IT journey? And yours is, sounds interesting because it sounds like you kind of were in robotics and then like woodworking and then back to tech. So can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people who uh, uh, has maybe a few too many interests, a little impractical, right? So like, uh, you know, I'm actually obviously like most kids uh, into computers when I was young, right? Games and learning early programming, stuff like that. But I went to school for robotics, as you mentioned, right? So um, 
uh, that's sort of computery, but not really IT, right? Um, but ultimately learned I didn't like academics, missed the robotics boat, um, went and, as you said, started a company in wood products, actually. We're working on like uh, uh, special materials for insulation here in the Northeast, um, but just not my first love. I've always really loved the internet in particular. My first startup was in a file sharing startup when you could get away with that kind of thing and um, came back to it and have now you know, been in internet mode ever since. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's your next running. Yeah. That was great. Give us your elevator pitch for uh, NS1, please. Oh, the elevator pitch. Well, okay, guys. So, you know, NS1, if you don't know us, right, we uh, sit sort of at the center of the world's applications and audiences. We connect everybody with the applications you use every day, right? We're doing that with uh, a platform for what we call application traffic intelligence and, and automation. It's an, a platform we call NS1 Connect. And the way you can break this down is we're providing uh, a few categories of technology to our customers, uh, which are cloud native network services like the, the core foundational tech, DDI, DNS, DHCP, IP address management, stuff like that that powers any enterprise network. We've got edge to cloud networking, which is we power the domains of the applications we all use every day. Um, you know, if you watch movies online or you listen to music or you read the news, you buy anything or any kind of enterprise SaaS in general, it starts with a domain that is on our platform. And then the reason our customers are working with us is we make experiences better for these applications, right? By directing the traffic to the best infrastructure for you right now to create that good experience. So hopefully that's a good quick sense. Well, that was great. That's a long elevator. That was not a bad elevator. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I, got, I didn't get the buzzer at least. No, you, know? you didn't. No, you didn't. You came close. Now, I've got it <laughs> on good authority that this whole thing kind of started in a bar now with a napkin and some little bit of Python code. Sounds made up. But go ahead and tell us your story. On I was going to say it sounds kind of stereotypical, doesn't it? Guys? It, it, it no, does kind really, of, yeah. but it really did go down Actually, that way. Yeah, yeah, it really did. You know, the bar was Francis Tavern. If, if you guys have ever been in oh, Lorman, sorry. Oh. The oh man. Anyway, no, welcome because... to the club. Welcome to the club. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to keep Thursday. talking anyway. Yeah, you go. You go. You go. But Start you know, on. Francis Tavern, which is like one of the oldest bars in Lower Manhattan, and. Uh, I just remember grabbing a stout there with, you know, a guy who eventually became my co-founder, John. And um, somewhere, someday I'll find the napkin again. It's in some manila folder somewhere. And there was not code on the napkin. It was a diagram. And then the code came, you know, later in the evening after the, the beer wore off. But we really did. We started with 22 lines of Python um, that ultimately has ballooned into, a, I don't know, a, a million lines of code that powers the Internet. At still this point. still but, uh, writing in Python on that? Uh, there's still a lot of Python in our platform, okay, actually. Okay. Yeah, but you know they took my commit access away. I'll let go. Smart, 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 smart guys. We have got to cut him off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I understand uh, somewhere along the the lines of the growth of the company, there was a DDoS attack, but it was actually a positive for you guys. Where was it actually you guys that were attacked, or was there, there was an attack? Then you guys. Well, were we've certainly in? been attacked. I'll tell you that, and we probably are being attacked right now. And um, you know, we've certainly learned a lot from those events but i think the one that you're probably referring to was not against ns1 but was against a company called dyne which isn't around anymore you know they've been bought by oracle about four or five years ago something like that but it was a real watershed event in our space um, and just a, a little bit more about this because it is kind of interesting right these these guys were powering all these important domains on the internet and you know one day i was on the road i was in boston and uh 
started getting text messages from all these customers and salespeople and so on saying, hey, Dyn is offline. And what it was, was um, you, you guys were talking about botnets earlier, right? So it was Mirai, right? Um, you guys may recall this Mirai botnet that was really big in 2016, 17. Um, and it was attacking this critical service that was powering you know, a huge chunk of the internet. And if the domain doesn't resolve, right, if you can't go to whatever.com, uh, and get back an IP address. Doesn't matter what other what other infrastructure you built behind the thing. And what it did was it emphasized for the world, like we need some redundancy at this piece of the stack. The whole internet is dependent upon the DNS and domains, and it really just changed the way everybody thinks about their architecture. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, while we have you here, I want to uh, I want to get into a new topic here. We want to talk about edge computing, specifically how edge computing, edge networking, and edge data management work together for application success. And now, you know, I'm I'm not the the expert here. When we say edge, I'm I'm thinking about uh, Microsoft's browser. <laughs> yeah, you too, uh, or, yeah. or Microsoft's browser that they just shove down your throat at every possible. They do love it. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. So so. Just for starters, uh, can you can you give us kind of an overview of what, what are you talking about when you say edge computing? You know, edge is such an overloaded term, right? And I think the the the, the main way that I'd like to present it to everybody here is um, what happens when we can move applications in particular and the infrastructure that underlies applications closer to the end users who are using those applications or closer to the systems that are connecting to those applications, whatever it is, right? So when we're talking about edge, we're mostly talking about uh, the infrastructure that underlies applications that we all connect with and engage with and how that is moving to a more distributed footprint, um, more dynamic footprint that is you know, now global as opposed to, let me contrast it, right? Um, you know, back when I lived in Singapore, you guys, you guys were mentioning that earlier, um, uh, you know, most of the internet was in Ashburn, Virginia, right? It was in these big, huge, beefy data centers outside of Washington, D.C. That is not the edge, right? That is um, kind of a big data center uh, somewhere. The edge is let's put um, application code and data and connectivity in Singapore and in South Africa and in Amsterdam and in New Jersey and wherever we want it to be so that um, it's proximal right to people or systems that need to interact with it is that is that about speed is that about redundancy security like what what's the the main driver there you well you just you just named the three of them right <laughs> like it's, it's actually wow. about all of those things right it's um think about what happens when you distribute uh the code the data the connectivity of an application first of all you start to get some interesting natural resiliences right um fiber cuts or power outages, things like that happen all the time. But when your application lives in tens or hundreds or thousands of different places, it's you know it's really hard to, to take it out, right? So it's more resilient. Um, performance is sort of obvious, right? We can't beat the speed of light. There's sort of like laws of physics um, for for you know data and transit over fiber. Um, and you know if you're in Singapore and you're interacting with a server in, in uh, Ashburn. Um, you're paying about a 200 millisecond penalty each way, right? Um, if you're interacting with a server down the street, um, you're not, right? So you're getting better experiences. And then security, I think, is another interesting lens here. You know, when you um, take the edge idea all the way to the extreme, 
what we're starting to see now are applications that are placed, um, internet applications that are placed inside the corporate firewall, for example. So you are getting new guarantees about uh, how your data is um, being transmitted or how your transactions with respect to the application are happening and what exposure they have. So it's really all the above. Yeah, it does seem like edge computing and edge networking and all that has a lot of benefits. I have read that there are, you know, we talked about speed and that kind of thing, that speed was probably the number one complaint was that there is a little, still a little bit of lag because you're not local anymore. You're not, you're not inside. You're not still doing that whole, I've got one large data center and it is where it is. And that's where we're going for information and it's centralized, but I don't get that, that immediate experience that I would get if it was local to my network here. So like, what would you say is the biggest drawback of edge that we need to really kind of make better? I don't think it's that, right? And I think it is it, just just to touch on that for one second. I think um, you know humans have a uh, sort of a, a latency threshold beyond which it really doesn't matter. And that is somewhere on the order of you know a few to tens of milliseconds. And <laughs> this is why you see services like uh, I don't know, you know, streaming gaming, right? Yeah. Or we are even saying you know browsers in the cloud, stuff like that that we can use, right? And that feel pretty snappy to us these days. The actual harder constraints on edge are how do you build, um, you know, applications and infrastructure that can handle being distributed across, mm. you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of sites and how do you orchestrate all that, right? There's a lot of moving parts in edge that aren't there when your application is sitting on a server in a data center somewhere, right? And I think this is where there's a lot of investment and also just a lot of excitement in the ecosystem. We all sort of value the performance and the reliability and the security, the benefits that we just talked about. And there are new applications like, you know, we canonically are talking about self-driving cars, right? Or remote health type applications where we really badly want to be able to do these things and we need edge to, um, you, you know, become more real uh, to make it happen. But the hard problems between us and there are how do we orchestrate, you know, where do we spin up the code? Um, how do we connect users to the right code at the right time in the right place? How do we um, synchronize our data across a thousand different sites uh, in real time all the time? Like, these are really hard problems. At the risk of queuing up a sales pitch, uh, how does NS1 uh, help kind of us, us move towards that, that edge computing model? Well, you know, I, I'll keep it as, as unpitchy as I possibly can, right? <laughs> so the short version is, um, you know, today, and I touched on this earlier in introducing us, we sit in the critical path and control the application traffic for most of the important applications on the internet, right? If you're watching a movie, which may not be super latency sensitive, but you care about the reliability, or if you're interacting with, I don't know, um, your online email, there's a pretty good chance that we're directing you to the right infrastructure to do that right now, right? And so that's one of the problems at Edge is I've got a distributed footprint. I've got a user. Which piece of that infrastructure should that user connect to right now to maximize you know, their quality of experience, maximize reliability, and so on? That's a big piece of the puzzle that we have. And I think another thing that we do at NS1 is we sit in what we call the audience footprint. Right? We sit uh, inside the branch office, inside the coffee shop, inside the hotel that you're staying in, and we're the system that 
connects your device to the network, right? Gives it an IP address and on-ramp to, to those applications you care about. So we end up being sort of on both ends of this edge street. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, because of that, having this great intelligence and visibility and control over how you connect with and interact with these applications as they be move to the edge, if that makes sense. Yeah, so going back to your example, if I'm in Virginia and there's the data center in Virginia, but I'm getting sent to the new data center in Singapore, that that's kind of dumb. So you're making sure <laughs> that would be dumb. Yeah, yeah you're making sure I'm going to the right that. one. That's yeah, exactly right. Very cool. So you're like you guys, a very intelligent traffic cop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. that's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so you guys have some new products and and uh, some things coming. Oh out, right? yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean a, a few things for us recently. You know, one thing I'll touch on just briefly. We had our big annual event. Um, you know, about a month, month and a half ago, called Insights. That's INS1 GHTS, which turns out to be really cute when you type it, oh, but it's harder NS1. to verbalize, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and so, you know, a lot of replays on there uh, online for that at insights with a one.ns1.com. You know, some really cool stuff on this edge topic and a lot of other application delivery, network automation, and other topics. Well, a couple other things for us um, we're investing really hard in op open source um, at Kind of the core of network automation and uh, uh, edge, um, as we've talked about. So we have some new projects like uh, Orb, which is observability. What is happening across these really big distributed edge footprints? Uh, Netbox, we're a, a major investor in this huge open source community around uh, network source of truth, network automation, which is really critical to unlocking these you know, very dynamic distributed edge footprints, right? And final thing I'll mention is uh, we launched our, our uh, latest iteration of our platform called NS1 Connect about a month ago, um, which brings all of these different technologies together so our customers can manage these big edge footprints. So we got a lot going on at NS1 these days. Yeah, and there's a there's another conference coming up, right? A smaller kind of version. Ah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, indeed. You know, we do our big annual conference insights. And then in between, you know, we have this great community that really wants to get together and engage on these topics. So we do insights days every three months or so we have one coming up in September. So check out again, insights.ns1.com and, and you'll find it. And those are virtual people can attend. So certainly virtual these days. Yeah. Right. And we'll keep them. I would imagine hybrid into the future. So yeah, that makes sense. And so, uh, just to clarify when you say NS one NS, the number one, not one.com. You got it. Perfect. You got it. NS number one.com. And that's, that's based that's off name server one. You got it. Yeah. That's exactly where it comes from. Everyone always wonders what is that bizarre name in it? <laughs> Um, is the canonical host name of the DNS server at any enterprise, right? So that's where it comes from. I didn't guess. I did research. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm just being honest. Well, so. huh? I'm enough. just wondering if I can get a sticker or a T-shirt, something that says NS1. We make your oh, wildest boy. dreams come true. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to make a custom sticker just <laughs> One for you. Oh. But, you know, I see how it is. No, no, it's cool. Be that way. <laughs> But feel free to take that idea. That's yeah. yours. That's free. You got it. Gratis. Wildest dreams. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for for taking the time with us today. I really appreciate your uh, your insight. Um, you know, on, on edge computing as well as kind of hearing that that story about how you guys got started and the and the issues you guys are solving for us. For sure, it's been a blast, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, Thanks, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to look at the news from this week. But uh, stay with us. We'll be right back on Technado with Don Pizzette. Human resources and learning and development leaders, you know your staff is your company's biggest competitive advantage. How can you make sure they have the ever-evolving business and technical skills needed to stay ahead and keep your company safe in today's world? 
Introducing SkillsPro TV, a platform to upskill your team and outpace your competition. SkillsPro TV provides highly engaging, entertaining, and effective skills development across a wide variety of areas, including security awareness, business skills, applications for doing work, and digital literacy. It's a convenient and affordable way to teach your team to stay ahead of threats and to effectively use technology. Best of all, with a blend of animation, live action scene work, and talk show format, it's training that they'll actually enjoy. Your team will appreciate that you're investing in their professional growth in a way that fits their personal life. It's productivity and performance for everyone. Contact ACI Learning today to learn more about SkillsPro TV and to start your free team trial. All right, welcome back to TechNetter with Don Pizzette. Without Don Pizzette this week, which is always, you know, just at risk for going off the rails. Just shorten that up. TechNetter without Don Pizzette. Yeah. Yeah, it should. Can, can we, I don't know how hard it is to get a new logo, but yeah. I think we can just put an X right there. Too. <laughs> yeah. If he comes back next week, we'll take it off. That's fine. Uh, thank you so much, Chris Beavers from uh, NS1 for joining us. And uh, we have a lot of news to get to. So let's go ahead and jump into our first article from Pharonix.com. Debian 11 is releasing this weekend with many improvements. Are they just trying to get out before Windows 11? I think that's... Oh, that does make sense. Yeah, they got to uh, keep on... Did they skip 9? Well, they may, maybe not so much trying to get it out before Windows 11, but riding the coattails of search... Of everyone going, hey, did you hear about version 11, 11 of yeah, the operating right? yeah, system? Yeah, you'd go 11, and that's where we're at. You know, you're Nigel... What's his name from... Uh, uh, Spinal Tap. Now this one goes to 11. <laughs> I was like, where's it going? With? Oh, yeah. okay. Spinal Tap. So uh, this is a new kernel too, right? It is. It looks like it actually ended up jumping uh, here from uh, 4.19 to 5.10. Blasphemy! That is for no, you. you don't do that's, that. that's skipping a few. <laughs> yeah. You don't skip kernels. You absolutely skip kernels, well, especially yes, if do. it's a better one. <laughs> yeah. Do either guys, or you guys use Debian? Debian? So I don't use Debian. I have used Debian. I liked it. Um, I it, Honestly, all the distro kind of uh, playing around with that I've done within the recent past has been a pretty pleasant experience regardless of where, you know, it's pedigree. So Debian is a main fork of Linux. And then from there we get things like Ubuntu and then Linux Mint and, you know, all sorts of great stuff on that side of the fence. And then you got the whole Red Hat variants with the CentOSes, which no longer exist. And we're off in that wonderful little land. Not really my cup of tea, but uh, still those that I have messed with have been, again, a pleasant experience. I would be interested in installing. I mean, they say they got 59,000 packages are available. <laughs> That's probably to me, one of the biggest selling points of, of just any Linux distro is the ability to work with a package manager. I know that windows has something similar and they have the whole windows store. I just don't find that to be as, as good of an experience as just being able to go to the and go app, get update app, get install mm-hmm. package. Oh, it's installed. Yay. We're done. You know, as, as opposed to Windows, where it just installs updates whenever so, it wants. So, well, not so much that, but just that <laughs> when. Well, that's that's more package, yeah. um, not package, but uh, operating system updates and things of that mm-hmm. nature. When they when you want to install software through their package management, you go to the Windows Store, and then it bitches about you not being logged in with a Windows account account because <laughs> I don't want that. I just want to install the software. And then it's weird, and you're. It's like, is it installing? Oh, it kind of delayed. It looks like it's installing. And then it kind of like, it's almost like it's like adware. Where yeah. It's trying to get you to click other things. I'm like, just install the stuff. What is your problem? Fine. Give me the Yahoo toolbar. Right. And then 
you know, I've worked with Windows Subsystem for Linux, and anyway, I'm rambling. It was a debacle. I hate Windows. <laughs> it's all right, I guess. It's yeah. better than Mac OS. Yeah, no, this is kind of <laughs> neat because out of those 59,000 packages, 11,000 of them are new. No, I mean, that's a lot. That's quite a bit of uh, new uh, new uh, packages, yeah. too. What, so, hey, what will you find? <laughs> what wouldn't you find? I know. Like, like Christmas opening all those packages. Uh, another particular uh, very interesting uh, release with this is, of course, the idea of XFAT support now due to the new kernel that's been It's released. about time. Yeah. How, did, how are we in 2021 yeah. and this is just now supporting XFAT? Well, it's supporting it. Natively, right? Yeah, natively. Yeah. Okay. So before that, they actually you had, had to have a, like a, a yeah, module fuse, loaded. Yeah. yeah, that you actually had to be able to put on there. So you could do XFAT if you wanted to, but you had to have that additional. Right. Now it's actually natively supported, which makes it a you know uh, for for those that aren't exactly sure. Now that means there's a compatible file system that can be run between Windows and uh, Mac right. OS yeah. as well and as yep. Debian. So if I were putting something on like a USB drive before, yeah, I would have had to pick. Or go find a different way to put it in XFAT. So, so you could, would you would kind of like have to choose whether or not you're going to be able to be supported on one platform or another. Yeah. So well, that's there nice. was that. I mean, that, that's it's always nice when it makes something more compatible across the board. And let's see any other cool features. Control it's got groups. the YesCrypt yes, password yeah. hashing. That's interesting that it's moved away from. I, I don't know what its default was. Maybe a SHA or yeah, it was a SHA yeah. five twelve, and it's moved now to YesCrypt. And so for this one. It's a big deal because anytime a particular distro right says, "Hey, look, we're going to change the algorithm <laughs> to your to your password." Now I got to figure out what module I got to use in Hashcat to crack the thing. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean they're, they're updating us, but you know, again, it's relatively new. Yeah. So it, you know, we, we don't know like all the other things that may come along with that, but at least this is the future that uh, uh, Debian uh, is actually going to be. Uh, thinking is the way you know that uh, that they want to move. So go. pretty good uh, features here as far as you know the idea of changing the kernel to make all these things added in. Uh, I think that's worthy. Uh, everything that we've actually seen yeah. so far seems to actually say, hey, look, uh, you know this is this is not a minor update. This is something that's you know, and, the, and those things are cool and everything, but it ends up really for me being the user experience, mm -hmm. like. I, it's, I don't really care what kernel is running under the hood as long as the dang thing works. If it does what I need it to do. If that means a kernel upgrade, yeah. then great. If it's secure and but, it works. Right. Yeah. If, but if it doesn't, I don't care. That's just me. I'm more pragmatic when it comes to my experience. So, Which makes me very agnostic when it comes to the vendor. I, yeah. As long as it's doing what I need it to do and it does it the way I like it, then I'm happy. Well, uh, it comes out this weekend, so try it I'll out. Give it a whirl. Yeah, and let us know what you think. Uh, reach, reach out to us at technator.com uh, and let us know your feedback on it if you've got a chance to use it. Uh, I'm I'm hesitant to ask feedback about the next article because <laughs> uh, of what I've seen so far, but uh, our next article comes to us from theverge.com. Start 11 brings a classic start menu back to Windows 11. And that is, of course, because the... It's about damn time. Yeah, the, well, the uh, new Windows 11, uh, for the, the beta is out. It's kind of a, more of a Mac OS, um, you know, thing there where yeah. where you're kind of seeing all the programs and not very start menu-y. Yeah. Can uh, I change that? You can <laughs> yeah. with uh, Start 11, which this is not their first foray, right? They've they've done this ever since Windows XP? 8. Uh, 8. Well, yeah, they yeah. made it for 8. eight they did that uh, unusual touch oh, desktop. Oh, that's right. Thing. Because it was meant to be like Windows 8 was developed for like a tablet, like a tablet like mobile device. Touch kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then 8.1 said, no, we're bringing the menu back. And then, of course, uh, from that point on, 
uh, it's you know it, it apparently continues to try and make its way out of the Windows operating system, and every user says no, let's put it back. That's what it comes down to. So it looks like that they're actually doing it again. Well, it's funny they have to re rely on third parties to do that. I mean, it's interesting that Microsoft doesn't give you that option, but they're really trying trying to push you away from that. But I mean, it, what do you guys think? Do you think it's people just can't let go, and and maybe this is how it should be now in the in the future? Or it's been or that way you... for in you know in in the business, right? right. Yeah. yeah, where you've been on that operating system for so long, you're used to that. Even when you go home, you're not like wanting to change something you yeah. want it to kind of be that consistent look so and feel for me is this is a and of course this is one man's opinion i could be completely wrong on this it's just my thoughts on it is that they're doing it to compete with macbook or mac os sure to be more uh, tr to try to reach that audience a little bit better even the chromebook i mean that's the right. same kind of look right it's yeah. very similar so we're starting to see this um uniform uh, it's it's more uniform right you get the same kind of experience they're not the out outlier course then you have linux um you can do whatever the hell you want there <laughs> yeah um but also just that for people that have to support this that have to uh it, it's it makes life a whole lot more difficult because now those steps i have in my head i got to relearn to go because a lot of times when you're supporting somebody especially over the phone is like a workstation support you're going okay click start go here go here go here you have those steps memorized because you do them all the yeah time. and then they go i, I don't and now you just start. flush that down the <laughs> toilet and it's like oh jeez i don't know where that is hold on let me bring up a windows 11 machine because i'm not currently on that well then you got to ask and, do you do you have start 11 okay yeah, then yeah then thank god hit start right. <laughs> it, it, it gets yeah it actually it might actually be uh, that way so it can be a, a big learning curve i hate when they do stuff like this where they move things around and change it completely stick with what people know and just make that better is my advice to them because that would be great for everybody all right so yeah. you're you're old school moving it Ronnie doesn't make change. it better it just makes it different for the sake of being different God, do, you, do you do you yell at kids to get off your yard too absolutely <laughs> like you send you little sons this is my ball now. that's yeah. right <laughs> Keep it, man! You're like Clint Eastwood, El Camino. Yeah, <laughs> he was a crotchety old dude. He was that a crotchety old dude. Uh, just, that, just like that you. lovely little uh, girl just melted his heart, though. <laughs> ah, the good old days with the start menu. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, let us know if you use that and see how it looks. But <laughs> you probably won't because if you're well, it's, if you're it's on five the beta, bucks, right? If you want to actually implement this right now, according to the cost money. Yeah, yeah start it's not the free. Eleven beta is available today, priced at four ninety nine. You want that? You got to get that. I'm, Chang I'm Chang having a feeling the people that are on the beta like the they new. They love yeah <laughs> the old thing, right? Mm -hmm. They want the new thing, but they want some mm -hmm. comfort. And because why else would you be using the old start menu? What would be the purpose of know. going back to a different style? I don't know. Because you're, you're done. Answer the question, yeah. Peter. Yeah. You also have that, you know, uh, I'm I'm anti Mac OS and I don't want it to look like Mac and no, that's I don't true. want to look uh, and feel like Windows. Take as long point. as it doesn't give me like where if I'm right clicking on stuff, it doesn't have delete. It gives me stupid move to trash. <laughs> as long as it still has two mouse buttons, I'm happy. There you go. <laughs> go down to one. That's just dumb. <laughs> I mean, what kind of fool <laughs> would create a system where you only have one mouse button? I mean, come on. You How idiots. annoying. <laughs> All right, our next article comes to us. <laughs> next article is from Tom'sHardware.com. Company reveals all Russian PCs using an ARM uh, SOC. Is that SOC? Yep, system okay. on a chip. Yep. Okay, because I know SOC is like 
Security Operations Center. Center too. I yep, didn't know yeah. if that was still stock. And Linux. Uh, what? All all Russian computers are using? Or this it's is all a, Russian. Uh, You'll love it. It's great. Yeah, yeah this is apparently oh, Russian-made and yeah. all the components that they can actually bring in. So, uh, the did funny you read th- the article? Yeah. yeah. The, the funny thing to me is actually the subtitle, right? PC maker IRU launches all Russian system featuring SOC, SOC, uh, that delivers 2015 <laughs> error performance. <laughs> error performance. Yeah, it, which is kind of a dig at them, but no. then they go in. If you read the article, they kind of back off from yeah. that a little bit. But I would expect like a Russian-made PC to be like a diesel. <laughs> <laughs> like you got to go outside and cold start your up. computer. And- so, I mean, when you don't have this infrastructure from, you know, what the... 50s, everything yeah you know where we have we've been developing chips for quite some time i i, I want to say from the 50s around right. that era and they're they're pl- trying to play catch up but honestly i think that their their motives seem almost patriotic <laughs> where they're saying we want to build russian stuff we want to have made in russia yeah use russian on, components right yeah. it's, uh, we're patriots we want to do that obviously they're not patriots for america so they're not they're not wanting to buy stuff that's made in america and or china even because i'm imagining china, most even, of their, right? yeah. their even though they're comes, kind of friendly or whatever comes from asia yeah so yeah the base system on a chip here is an arm cortex a57 operating at 1.5 gigahertz uh here and what it comes down to is a little bit more powerful than a Raspberry Pi, from what yeah. I understand. So, but if you're just doing business applications, sure. it should be fine. But from the picture, a much bigger case. A yeah, a much bigger case. Well, if that is the case, maybe it's just like perspective. I, I, I hope that. Well, I'm looking at that too, and it's got those those old school Your like color coded. Well, I was going to say the color coded like headphone. Oh jack yeah, and yeah. Stuff that you don't even see anymore. Like you know when the cables were. Uh, well, maybe it's all maybe it's all about expansion, right? They're giving you enough room to expand yeah, you out. Can, of the other you things. can put external speakers. I don't know. Or whatever you. That's want. where they hide the listening devices. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got to have room. Yeah, it's Dude, all, I was, I was it's listening to some story about how in the uh, the American embassy that was in Russia or, or maybe in um, uh, Germany during the Cold War, mm. they started looking for listening devices. You know, they're scanning mm-hmm. for these listening devices, and they found one in their typewriters. And that they had installed into the chimney. They put it in the concrete. It was an antenna oh for sending the signal out. I was like, that is some straight up spy <laughs> yeah. shiz right there, right? <laughs> That's cool. Dude. That is crazy level spyage. And and who was responsible on the the American side to, to check for this stuff while they were building? Like so that, that was big NSA. Metal, yeah, that big metal pole that yeah. goes in the chimney. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that's <laughs> well, then, you know they hire somebody to come in and build it. No, it was embedded in the concrete. Yeah, yeah. So it was probably even the there mortar they moved in the building. Of the yeah. chimney. <laughs> yeah, I'm like dang. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to export one of these systems over here, or if you would uh, would want to, but might be fun to kind of play with and and take or a look. Just buy an old phone on eBay. That's true. Yeah. It doesn't. Does it say anything anywhere about the cost? It doesn't uh, look like it. No real cost is actually mentioned. Two but loaves it does. of bread yeah. <laughs> and a roll of toilet paper. A Yugo. Yeah, yeah. It does mention what Dan what Daniel was talking about here, right? Mm. The very fact is. Russia has been trying for apparently years now to get off of the Western-based or the you know, U.S.-based types yeah. of computer systems to develop on their own. But 
this this gives them a benefit yeah. here. Are they building chips themselves? And that's I don't what know. If they're not yet. Just building so systems based systems off of right those now because they're basing it off of what we're seeing here, the ARM, uh, so far. And uh, but you know, it's the ability here to not be dependent upon you know another manufacturer. Yeah. If they need to order a million computers. You know, they they can actually build them on their own. Yeah, because I'm sure the. Well, shoot! I clicked on that chip manufacturer in the article, and <laughs> it was a this fishing is all in, Well, it's all in Russian, so uh, let's go to English. What's your point? But you know, yeah, I wonder if they're affected by you don't the read uh, Russian? by the chip shortage. Yeah, but this looks looks to be a, a Russian chip manufacturer, though. So. Is that the? Um, oh, yeah, I think it's called Cyrillic. Cyrillic? Yeah. yeah, they do have two <laughs> 10 gigabit Ethernet ports, though, on their computers. Hey, hey. so okay. there you go. That. Uh, should I click allow all cookies from this? <laughs> I'm, I'm now starting to think like, I'm going to find the oldest Why laptop not? I have in my my stash of old crap yeah. and just see if I can use it as my daily driver. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I'm running, you know, uh, 200, and, 200 megahertz, 486. Yeah. Get an old Pentium. Yeah, old Pentium. All right, our next article comes to us from Bloomberg.com. Oh, this is what I was just talking about. Chip delivery time surpasses 20 weeks Yeah. in no sign shortage easing. Maybe the Russians are smarter than we think. They're just using old chips that are laying around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't have to wait like for we, them. We took these out of the uh, the nukes. They, yeah. they were They're like, ah, stupid American. We use chip. It's already here. You got to wait half a year for yours. Well, and this is something that that's trickling down to, I mean, the auto Everything. industry, to, yeah. to all kinds of places. That I mean, when you think about we move to a society where everything is, is IoT, so everything's got mm -hmm. a chip in it. So yeah. now you're why can't I get a fridge? Well, there's no chips. Yeah. yeah. I just want it to be cold. Yeah, and the, the delays here are, are incredible, right? Because it goes from like the uh, semiconductor ordering increased from uh, eight days to 20.2 weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty a hefty. Lot. That's, that's a delay in that's everything. almost half a year, right? And then from this point on, it doesn't seem to actually say, hey, look, this is when it's going to drop off. So the only thing we're actually seeing is the increasing delays in all these chips which means anything that has a chip in it that you might have actually said, oh, I could get this last year, I ordered it last year, it may be longer than you think before you actually get it. It so. actually says that uh, shortages of microcontrollers, logic chips that control functions in cars, industrial equipment, yeah. home electronics jumped to 26.5 weeks. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just going up as you start getting these things. So, like you said, you know, refrigerators, you know, they have chips in them now. Yeah. You know, those mm -hmm. are going to be delayed. Imagine when those things breaking, and now you're saying, hey, I need a chip for this. And yeah, So because you know, of shortages, long. are we going to do, like, World War II style, you know, rationing? Go, rationing. <laughs> I've got a card say, for my chip. Listen, yeah. do not buy a refrigerator with a chip in it. Go buy a regular refrigerator because we need those for the war effort or the, yeah, the other war. cooler stuff than yeah. your refrigerator effort. <laughs> Right. Or maybe maybe we'll see more recycling too, where they're like, "Whoa, well, well, right. before you scrap that, let me get the chip out yeah, of there right. because we could use the silicon." Or or, or maybe these manufacturers would kind of take a page out of these Russian guys' book and go, "Well, let's just use chips that we already have available." Mm -hmm. Yeah. How much power do I need yeah. in my refrigerator? No one's using all these Furbies anymore. Yeah, Can right. We... <laughs> Snatch the chip out of that bad boy. Because <laughs> what did you say earlier? You read a tweet. It was before we were on there. Oh yeah, that uh, most consumer electronics are just plastic boxes with an abandoned Linux distro in it. Yeah, there's probably a chip in there, too. Right, most likely a chip in there. So that that would work. I, I like it. We're, we're solving problems here. Yay. I mean, is this just because of COVID? Is this, are there other are there natural resources? No, I think there are. Supply chain shortages, you know. Well, for chips, it's probably some um, 
because most chips are made in Taiwan, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's that whole thing with China and Taiwan that could I've be heard causing about that. Some, yeah. some issues. So yeah, yeah there's battle. there's political geopolitical right. things that are going on, but at the same time, also remember that uh, uh, mess in the Strait of Hormuz uh, yeah. several months ago, if not a year ago now. It feels like a whole year ago. Uh, and you know we we don't see how much of that backs everything up, but everything that actually was behind that, right, right. also stopped. And we don't know how long it stopped for them, too. Yeah. And so it's it's just one of these things which it compounds the problem. The longer that it delays, the, the worse it's going to get yep. until, uh, you know, I guess there's going to become a new normal. Uh, instead of saying, hey, things will get done in two weeks, it's going to be things will get done now in 10 weeks. Well, there instead. you go. Stupid. This is our life. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And <laughs> as you'll see in our next article, we're kind of talking about the same thing, but this next article is something <laughs> we've talked about before. So this is Deja News. Yes. Deja News. Dance it, Ronnie. Yeah. Give it to us. Mm-hmm. Sweet mm-hmm. streak. Make that beard bounce. Yeah. Huh. All right. This one is from ArsTechnica.com. AT&T delays 500,000 fiber to the home builds. <laughs> Due to severe fiber shortage, they'd plan to wire up to three million homes this year, and will hit 2.5 million instead. Uh, I guess I was lucky that I think it was 2018 that we got fiber run to us. But is this just kind of the same thing? Just resources and uh, labor and yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. No, Moving no. on to the next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this is kind of one of those strange things here. If AT and T is reporting it. And in the article, they talk about, look, you know, we're already the largest fiber purchasers, you know, in the mm-hmm. entirety. And the largest preferred, yeah, preferred like, buyer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're already the largest customer. If they're saying it's delayed that way where they can't service 500,000 of their people, well, imagine companies that actually aren't the preferred purchasers. Yeah. yeah so it, there's, there's no issue of demand here. Like people, no, people are like, oh, demand. I can't wait till they get this in my neighborhood because I want to switch from the cable company or the DSL right. on or the yeah. satellite. So, it, you know, this is looking an issue at you, of, Cox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cable. Uh, so this is just an issue of how quickly they can get this out there. They're adding customers. So, yeah. of course, if they had it, they'd put it out. What What is this stuff made out of? What, what is a fiber optic cable? And a glass. Silica is it glass. just glass? Yeah. Yeah. Silica glass. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't, you know, or th- that this isn't driving. And maybe it is driving innovation to say, hey, you know, we could make this out of this instead or this kind of plastic. Maybe or, they can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just like, that's just impossible. Yeah. Like, we could make this out of human veins. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the extraction process for that business. Yeah, because they say you have like miles in you. Hey, what about your like nerve fibers? Yeah, that's, I don't need those. That's fast. Because hey, if I'm if I can get faster internet, I'll give up those nerve fibers. <laughs> yeah, get them, get them. I don't feel a thing. Come get this. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm just gonna be sitting in my recliner. Yeah. Well, how do you get those out? Oh, in Fortnite. Yeah. So I'll be dead. Is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> well, if you can figure out a way to keep my brain going. Yeah. We got uh, that technology internet. yet? Like Futurama style, you just cut my head off, stick it in a jar. Yeah, so uh, basically, you should just move to a place that already has fiber. That's probably a faster way to go. That's that's the better yeah, way to go. Yeah, if you move to one of those 90 places that they actually listed or, you know, that they talked about there, that, you know, larger urban populated areas, you'll be able to get access to your fiber. Yeah, it says that uh, AT&T's goal is to get... Uh, at least 40% of homes subscribe to fiber in areas where they deploy it, which is quite a bit. I mean, at and good, good for them that you think about, what, 30 years ago, you know, what percentage of their money was, was you know, phone service yeah. versus... Long distance. Yeah. 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 Long, distance long distance, which yeah. I had to explain to my daughter the call, other day, like, no, no, it costs AT&T? money yeah. to call that next town over. Yeah. What? Use yeah. 1-800-CALL-ATT. Yes. 
and then you make then dial your number. Oh, jeez. And now, I mean, the internet's got to be. I remember when those started, right? It was one hundred collect was like the first yeah. one, and it was like ten cents a minute. And you were like, "What? Yeah, are you kidding me? This is so, so cheap." So I dial one hundred collect, and then I dial my number, and I get ten cents a minute long distance. You're crazy. And then by the end of it, it was like, "We'll pay you if you call. Yeah, please, <laughs> yeah. please use our if service. you use these services, we will give you money." Well, I wonder what we'll be uh, missing out on next. If it's glass, what what else is glass? Uh, decorative vases. I don't. I don't think it's so much that there. Are they running into? I mean, no, sand is one of the most yeah. abundant things on earth. Yeah, they should you know. The so desert. it's not a problem with like creation. It's distribution. It's being uh, able to create it and probably labor yeah. as well. Maybe a labor shortage. That's yeah. true. And a lot well. of people not working. Yeah. Even though there's like bazillion jobs. You're like, you sure you don't want to dig a ditch to put this fiber cable down? That sounds like fun. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pay you. You're going to pay me as much as I get in this unemployment? <laughs> no? All right, then. You're Moving lost. on. <laughs> All right. Hey, want to let you know about a webinar coming up from IT Pro TV. Is your security battle tested? Proving your security works the way you want it to. That's coming up with Ben Fink. Uh, and that is taking place on Thursday, August 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So that is this week. But uh, don't worry. If you are listening on Thursday, you can still... Go ahead and catch that at 2 p.m. Eastern time by heading over to itpro.tv slash webinars. And if you're listening after the fact, we'll get that up there uh, ASAP, lickety split, right after it is done, probably like a day or two later. Um, but you can check that out again at itpro.tv slash webinars. And we have all the archived webinars on there. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, we've got one from Daniel recently dissecting malware, <laughs> uh, looking at next level CompTIA search. What's the last one you did, Ronnie? we got to get you back in there. Apprenticeships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and get hands-on with Cisco, Cisco Labs. I'm looking at, at that one. Where's the apprenticeships? One? It's oh, just you... Ronnie throwing Cisco equipment across the room. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just hosted that one, Ronnie. Yeah. I'm talking about, I want to see Ronnie presenting content. I want to see Ronnie like an old belligerent drunk just throwing Cisco equipment off the floor. It's every morning, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to be here morning. early enough. I mean, yeah. Ronnie gets here early. I come in, he's always sweeping. Yeah. Oh, I missed it. Oh, man. Damn shame. How much did yeah. that switch cost? Yeah. <laughs> and you want to go Expense ahead. Expense it. <laughs> and head over to uh, technator.com as well. You can see uh, all of our latest episodes. There's a form that you can submit some listener mail. And again, if we read your submission on the air or, or cover your article we will send you a t-shirt and and uh technado sticker as well so uh, definitely check that out but there's a big orange button that says sponsored by it pro tv on that page go ahead and click that and you can get a 30 percent off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal membership to it pro tv you can also oh yeah right there on the daniel's <laughs> shirt which you can barely see in the dark corner that he's hiding in today <laughs> Uh, and you can also uh, request a team trial and learn about the great features available to teams from IT Pro TV as well. So check all that out. Well, Ronnie, thank you again for joining us. Thank you week. for uh, inviting me. It is I vote we just keep Ronnie. Yeah. I don't. Don's a horrible man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If Don tells us that he Tech heard man. this part, if Don actually goes back and listens to this episode and says, hey, that was kind of yeah. mean. <laughs> then yeah. let's get it, bring him back on. If he doesn't even listen, just comes back He'd on, go. assuming that How'd everything's it go? all right. Yeah. Oh, it went great. Yeah. Well, you're off the show. Technado, formerly with Don Pizzette. Yeah. <laughs> now with Ronnie Wong. Now, now featuring. No. Now featuring 100%, 100% more Ronnie. Yeah, more, <laughs> more Wong than we've ever had. All right. Well, weird. Had to go there. That's dude. a weird phrase. Yeah.
It's a tagline. I'm gonna, yeah. This is sure. where if people are still yeah, listening, they're like, why am I still listening? Downvote this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, a downvote, that's a vote as far as I'm concerned. Right. Thank no you bad, for No such thing as bad publicity, right? I, 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 <laughs> talk to Subway. You yeah. let me know. All right. There's we'll that. Go, we'll go ahead and see you guys next wow. week on the corrected. next Technado with Don Pizzette.